Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. I'm Guy. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. So, Guy, you were... uh... You have a fascinating story in that uh, I know you know people who have moved from uh, America to Israel and uh, they feel a calling to Israel. Uh, someone you introduced me to uh, did that calling years ago, but uh, you kind of have a reverse story of that. I do. So I was actually born in Israel. I was born in Jerusalem um, in Hadassah Hospital, for those who, who know. And I lived in Jerusalem until I was about six. I moved to a different city near Tel Aviv until I was about a teenager. And then my family made the decision to move here to the United States uh, when I was a teenager. Um, I have a very strong connection to Israel, of course. My maternal grandfather had nine brothers and sisters. And as such, many, many cousins and nephews I have, you know, literally a thousand family members um, who live all across the country. So when I was younger, you know, we would travel to Israel very often um, and see them and such. What's important about that is the reason that my grandfather had nine brothers and sisters is because his family lived um, out one of the first families to move outside the old uh, Jewish quarters in the old city in in the late 1800s was in my family, and so we are um, come from a relatively religious family. Um, who is very connected to the land of Israel. If you guys don't know, in the 1880s, it was controlled by the by the Turks, right? The Ottoman Empire. There was nothing there, literally nothing. It was all barren, uh, very, very poor, no food. Um, and so for you as a human to want to move from anywhere to Palestine, as it were, was really a religious calling. You had to go there because you wanted to be close to God in into the Second Temple, to the Western Wall um, that, that we know and love. So, you know, that's my background. Um, on my uh, paternal side, you know, we come from a line of rabbis as well. Uh, they actually were in more of Eastern Europe um, and uh, unfortunately had... Um, most have passed away during the Holocaust. But my, my grandparents did move to Israel when they were teenagers from a Zionist band. They, were, they escaped the war in the, in the mid-30s, moved there when they were 15 and 16 years old. If you can think of a 15-year-old wow. moving from, you know, uh, um, Vienna, Vienna, the center, the center of the civilized world, to Palestine. A in desert. A, in place. a desert, yes. surrounded by Arabs who, who, were, you know, who were watching sheep. Um, and decide, no, this is my land because God gave it to us and we're going to work this land and we're going to create um, a new civilization here. Um, so that's that's a little bit of my background. I mean, just saying it out loud, I'm extraordinarily proud of that. And, um, you know, I, I want to teach that to my children and uh, to our next generation. You know, I think it's uh, important when you, one of the things you discover when you go over to Israel, uh, you know, why the land? Why the land? Why the land? You know, people will, what's the big deal about the land? It's just just dirt. And and if you were looking at it strictly from, I'll say, from a humanistic standpoint, you know, um, it, it's not that big a deal. But there's something special about that land. In Egypt, where um, the Jews were in slavery for 400 years, you know, all you really needed to do was raise your pants leg, and as the rivers would flood— uh, that would water the uh, fertile plains, and that's the way the vegetation grew. 
Israel's different. Israel, you have to look up. You have to look to the heavens. You have to look for rain to come, for the rains to come. And so God put the Jews in a very special place where they would constantly have to look up. And so uh, that's one aspect uh, from a very practical viewpoint. But then the other aspect is, you know, God promised Abraham he was going to make them a great nation, that he was going to give them the land. And I, for one, believe that uh, he did that. Uh, And he is doing that. He hasn't done that to the fullest extent, he promised. But we still look forward to a time when those promises will be filled in total. That brings me to a question. Um, One of the things I find that's different from my attitude toward Israel and some other theologians' attitude toward Israel is this is a subject that you and I, I think, agree pretty strongly on. I'd like to know, you know your thoughts on it. But there are Christian theologians that they embrace the idea or they seem to think that there's nothing special about Israel, that it is merely a geopolitical entity like any other entity. Uh, and I, I don't view it that way. I view it as not only geopolitical, but a spiritual entity. I think the only thing that explains its, its existence today is God. It is a miracle creation of God, a recreation that God promised would happen, and he fulfilled that promise. And uh, there's, God is not finished with Israel. Kind of give me your, your take on that. Right, I think that's such a great point. I mean, if you think about Israel as a geopolitical entity, guess what? When you go to Israel, I can literally drive you to a piece of land, and I will tell you the following. Remember that story about David and Goliath? That happened right here. This is the spot that it happened. Remember that story about Rebecca getting water for Abraham's um, servant? This is the this is where that was. It was right here. So to your point, it's not just um, a piece of land. It's a piece of land that's um, very, very connected in a very physical manner to what we all believe uh, are the, in the books. Okay, so the fact that it, it is back in the hands of Jewish people and it is a land where Jews can go and feel safe and be a majority in one nation out of 192 different nations to be a majority and not be fearful walking home from Shabbat getting a rock thrown at them. I think that's uh, that's pretty powerful. And um, so so I agree with you 100%. I mean, the fact is that God told Abraham that you'll always have this land. I promise you this land. And by definition, if Israel didn't exist, does that make God a liar? And I don't know if that's... That's that right. Works. And you know, every, uh, every director who's doing a movie or a play needs a context or a background to do that play. God chose to reveal his plan with the backdrop of this land. I was telling someone, you know, you go there, and just like you said, you, you open the Bible, and you are in the exposition. You are, you are right there. I remember I used to—I would read, like, Lord of the Rings, and I would have this uh, imagination of, of what those worlds looked like. And when I went over to Israel, I no longer had to imagine— I was right there. You know, it's it's just, it's something, when you're sitting on the Mount of Olives and uh, you, you are looking over the old city, when you, you know, when, when you go to Jericho, when you see this is the, 
spot where the nation crossed into the land God was giving them after being in the wilderness for for 40 years. Um, it, it transforms your thinking, and it just takes your relationship uh, with God to a different level. And I tell, I tell everybody, you, you got to visit. Now, the government does something that I find fascinating, which is birthright trips, where uh, Jewish students from America go over and spend like a month or so saturated in the land. And I think this is very politically very wise for them. Well, I can tell you, well, it's, it's interesting you say that. It's actually, I don't know that it's driven by the government. Oh, really? Okay, I did I, not know that. No, so it is uh, driven by Jewish institutions, the Federal Jewish um, the Federation, that raises money in order to bring connection from people who are born outside of Israel to try to understand what it means to be a Jewish person in a land where you're not, you're not the minority. Right. You know, whether a person's Democrat or Republican, I see, especially in America here, they would, one would hope, would uh, vote on principles that would maintain uh, the the nation of Israel's freedom and safety and security. Uh, and so I think that's why I thought the Jewish government was doing it, because it's it's a very shrewd act, but it's also very great, especially when you're old enough to connect to those roots and and. Own that yourself, because those Jewish kids need to realize these were promises for you. Seize them. Seize this moment. Seize this. So um, I just thought it was fascinating, and I encourage every—well, uh, I encourage every person, but especially if a Jewish person has the uh, opportunity to take advantage to do a birthright trip. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you know, where I grew up, when I moved to the United States, I was basically the only Jewish kid in school, and so— I had the background to know that I wasn't alone. But a lot of Jewish kids do grow up feeling like they're alone. There's only five or ten of them in any given geography. And to go to a country where every single, almost every person is Jewish, and it's not that big a deal kind of thing, it really gives you that feeling of, okay, I'm part of a huge community and a huge family. If you're listening to this and you want to see an example of how God helped birth and protect the nation coming into existence. Uh, Steven Spielberg's sister, I forget her name, but his sister did a uh, documentary movie called Above and Beyond, and it's about the birthing or the, the beginning of the Israeli Air Force, and it is absolutely fascinating. You cannot help but watch that to see God's hand had to be on uh, those soldiers, and, um, you know, I it's just fascinating. Uh, some some of you would know the the person Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman's dad was a casualty of that protective air force, but uh, it's just a miracle, and that's the only thing that can explain it. I think I couldn't agree more. I saw I, I know the movie you're referring to, and it is an absolutely incredible story. That by definition you couldn't explain without without a higher power. That, that, that's the only explanation. You know, the other thing I would just say is um, the world, not just America, but Western civilization, um, they owe so much to the Jewish people. Um, I've heard someone say, you know, there are two cities that uh, we owe, the Western civilization owes for our, our culture. It is Athens and Jerusalem. Uh, Athens gives us our thoughts. Jerusalem gives us morals. And uh, whenever we depart uh, from that, we end up, uh, Western civilization has crumbled. And so um, 
I don't know, but if you're listening to my voice and you have never taken into account what you owe, uh, not only other people, uh, people that have gone before you, but specifically a race of people who have given us uh, the Ten Commandments, given us rules where our culture, our civilization, uh, how it connects not only with each other, how we treat each other, uh, because that's the way I that's the way I see it is God uh, designated the Jewish race for something very special and and they were not like the other nations around them and he was going to do something special with them and so um, we owe a great deal of, of gratitude to, to them for what we have gotten a lot of times we think in terms of of uh, we have replaced them but that is not God's plan and so uh, I, I don't buy into that theological perspective. And Brian, I just want to say thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, it's actually been a, quite an enjoyable experience, uh, even reflecting back on my own uh, thoughts. Um, I think us knowing each other for the last several years has been a true blessing. And, uh, you know, it's always good to to bridge, to bridge between people. And, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Thank you for coming. <laughs>